Welcome back, everyone. Uh, John, this... Uh, so I, I want to get this part out of the way first, just because I feel like it's going to be lingering, and I don't really want it to. Is this a Christmas movie? There's nothing about this that would make me think it's not a Christmas movie. Okay. Just I, I just want to make sure we're on the same page with that, because I agree. I think that this is definitely a Christmas movie. Uh, no question. So It's Holly. It's Jolly. Dan Aykroyd wears a Santa costume. He does. He wears it well. He wears it well. Looks uh, really clean and good in it. Like it's yep. at, at the high point of the movie. So oh yeah. So like yeah, everything about yeah, it. He he, de- he definitely doesn't eat uh, salmon out of it uh, with beard <laughs> hair, <laughs> fake beard hair in his mouth. That doesn't happen in this movie. It, there's no way you saying those words could be anything as bad as actually watching him eat salmon that he had previously sh- shoved into his Santa costume, pulling it out and eating it. <laughs> Yeah, so that was so Christmas. fucking gross. That's Christmas. <laughs> okay, um, John, what did you like about this movie? Well, this is it's it's an interesting watch. Um, that there were plenty of things to enjoy, and there were things to kind of roll your eyes at, and then there were things that weren't that good. But yes. I, I I dare say what really makes the movie interesting and what I enjoy happens all like in the first two acts and not not really pretty much almost everything I dislike is in the third act and so yes things are a bit over the top things are a bit 80s things are a bit you know loosey-goosey with everything but there's something kind of interesting and fun in in the satire of the classism and and you know trying to you know, seeing the Duke brothers with their their experimentive, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, something versus something. You know, uh, na- nature versus nurture yeah. kind of deal, like or genetics versus upbringing. I didn't think you would just say those n words, but okay, they sure did. Holy shit! Nature I was, and I, nurture. That, that that was that that was uh, that was a part of this movie. I was not. I did not recall happening, but it did. Yeah. Uh, they they said both nature and nurture. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that that's my my f- first take from it. I, I I found Dan Aykroyd as Lewis to be horrible and annoying at first, and and then somewhat redemptive as they planned. And I find. Uh, Billy Ray Valentine to be not quite as charming as Eddie Murphy always has believed he is, but yet it it fits within the the kind of characters he'd play. Just a different different spin on it. Like I don't think it was a great characters anywhere except maybe Coleman. He was kind of fun. Um, oh, well, Denim Elliott is is great in everything that he did. So, yeah, like I I have zero complaints about him. Yeah, and, and, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, for what she has to work with, you know, she's perfectly enjoyable. But, like, I think this this character, Eddie Murphy's character, is just built to be over the top and unrealistic and have nothing real tied to anything. So he wasn't as grounded and didn't have the same motivations that even when he plays, like, over-the-top characters like Axel Foley, you know, in Beverly Hills Cop, there's still a believable... You know, something's tied to that that is tied back to reality. But, you know, him him going from a 
con man panhandler living essentially on the streets instantly noting how knowing how commodities trading works and all it really took was someone to give him a chance and give him a little bit of money and all of a sudden he could do all this trading and it was like oh okay so that's 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 why this is funny okay so so yeah so there there are things that weren't exactly you know on par with you know reality but like i said in the beginning it wasn't that's not really the things that i found irksome or really you know problematic as the kids say uh so yeah the first couple you know setting everything up seeing you know a jerk kind of get some of his comeuppance like oh that's perfectly fine and then there are flavors and elements and bits all throughout that are, are fun uh good interactions comedic etc yeah i i agree with a lot of that um there, there are some things that i think you and i might diverge on a little bit but on the whole, I think we're we're fairly well aligned. I, I I had a moment watching Eddie Murphy's character and uh the 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 scene where he like we see him for the first time in the suit and he's sitting down in the living room in in this, you know, this lavish apartment and he's like putting stuff in his pockets to, to take it. And I'm like, man, why are you like, not you, Eddie Murphy, but why are you, uh, who, who made this John Landis? Uh, why are you John Landis directing Eddie Murphy to act like a, 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 a dog that doesn't know where its next meal is coming from. And I get that. Like, yeah, he, Billy Ray Valentine is this guy who, who, lives in a rougher part of town he he doesn't have much money he doesn't have a good upbringing he's been in and out of jail and he he's he's sort of on his heels with this whole situation but they made it like i'm about to run because i like i'm because i'm scared and it it it, it was well written but it wasn't well directed and i i felt like there was there was a big disconnect there and i think that's a little bit of what you were talking about with he was sort of like uh, this this directionless kind of character versus what we're used to seeing uh from eddie murphy especially in the 80s and 90s yeah it 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 was a little bit like questionable where you're just like okay like if he was doing all of that just to make like the duke brothers uncomfortable like you know if his motivation was you know, just to obviously do all this stuff right in front of them under their noses because he knew it would, you know, get him what he wanted. Or, But it was played off like, no, he was just scared and he didn't know if they were going to actually call the cops on him and were they being real. So he was going to get while well, the getting's good. But if they were, in fact, trying to frame him or treat him horribly or get him arrested for even worse charges, he'd be playing right into their hands right in front of them by shoving all this stuff into his pocket. So it's like, there's no reason other than someone thought, oh, this would be funny. And like you're saying, you know, whether it's the director or whoever's blocking the scene or what was going on, it just, yeah, it didn't really work on that level, but it gave him a chance to just talk nonstop. And, you know, I'm a fan of people who talk nonstop. Sometimes I talk nonstop and you have to jump in to remind me that I don't have to talk nonstop all the time. That's right. You're absolutely right. I do have to do that from time to time. Not this time. This was a natural transition from your part of the conversation to mine. Transition. Transition. <laughs> transition. 
but yeah, I I agree about the Dan Aykroyd character. Like he he was, uh, he 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 was way over the top uh, for 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 sort of what you would expect of this like Ivy League uh, you know stockbroker, commodities broker, or whatever. Uh, he he was the the he was a caricature. He wasn't. Uh, the he that, that that's not what I really picture when I picture you know a, a stockbroker or something like that. Like, well, like I, I everyone. picture something more along the lines of like uh, 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 American Psycho. Uh, well, what the what the what the, who is that? Um, uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho. He just he he is more realistic to me than this was. Everyone in this movie was a caricature. Again, with the exception possibly of Coleman. Yeah. Okay. Like everyone on the train later, our main characters, the the two evil Duke brothers, uh, you know, just like up and down the board, caricature after caricature. And it, it's like I couldn't quite tell how knowingly, you know, how much of a wink and a smile was supposed to, supposed to go with all of that. You know, I, I think in its defense, people after the fact would just talk about how it's well, it's satire, and it's supposed to be all kind of over-the-top and ridiculous because it's showing how ridiculous classism is. And it's like, well, you're, you're, you're pushing real hard to make that case. I don't know if it just was <laughs> some lazy writing with some good concepts, and it just kind of unfolded based upon people's charisma, which is what I suspect. But um, but yeah, I, I think everyone's just a, a little... They could all use some googly eyes and some like slide whistles, and then the the effects it would all be complete, and we'd have the full picture. And I almost feel like that's a a more uh, cohesive movie because you 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 try to inject all these reality yeah. uh, uh, elements into this movie, and it doesn't play well against the comedic stylings and 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 the the timing, and so. It having sort of a little bit more of a kind of slapstick or or uh, even like, you know, running around, uh, sort of like they had at the beginning where Eddie Murphy's running through the, the club, uh, like that part is funny. Uh, there could have been more of that in this movie, and it's a better movie. Not, the, not to say that it's not a good movie. It's it's not without its flaws, but it is a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that there, there was something left uh whether it was left on the cutting room floor or just you know something more to be desired uh we didn't get that yeah i'd i'd say if i had to break down whether i thought this was a good movie or not a good movie i'd probably fall on the side of good even if just by a bit but it's really one of those things where now that i've rewatched it and it's been so long and i remembered a lot of it absorbed it experienced it for what it is I'm, I don't know when I'll ever watch this again, whereas something like Beverly Hills Cop, I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point in the future. I don't want to tomorrow, but, you know, it'll it'll come up and I'll watch it and it'll be fun. So I, I think, like, to me, I'm almost like thinking of our podcast as me putting trading places to bed. You know, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> that I've, I've, re, I've re-experienced, I've taken from it what I will, and just kind of letting it go i i'm i'm at peace with that it was perfectly okay i don't feel like i wasted you know my time watching it but really and we can just kind of dive into it almost everything happening in the end of this movie the third part of this movie and i'm not talking just about dan Aykroyd being in blackface or you know but like 
it, everything that happened with the, the train and the caper part of it and how everything became more of a character and everything with, with you know, what I like to call Chekhov's gorilla. Um, like, every <laughs> everything was just set up over the top, dumb, and just kind of annoyed me. Like, annoyed me more than just this is bad or inappropriate or useless. It was just like, you've just wasted my time. You've had a perfectly decent, weird, little, over-the-top, cheesy 80s comedy that I could perfectly enjoy. And now you've just kind of made it garbage, you know, towards the end. So it just brings my overall experience from being like a solid 7.5 out of 10 down to like somewhere right in the middle where it was like flip a coin. Um, So it bothers me that it did that because it did waste what it did manage to build up. And I don't like the payoff. I don't like the final act. I don't like all that stuff. That's just me. No, I I think that the train scene, like it it, it undermines the rest of the movie. Like the the outlandishness of that caper, they could have done that a dozen different ways, but they decided to go that way. And it just, it was boring. Like, yeah, watching like, it happen, <laughs> like, there was nothing about it that I went, oh, that's clever, or oh, that's fun. Like, you have a guy imitating, sorry, you have four people imitating immigrants who all happen into the same train car, uh, the same uh, cabin in, in the same train car uh, with this one dude. Uh, you, you, you've got your... Uh, African exchange student, you have your drunken alcoholic uh, priest from Ireland, uh, you have the Austrian Swede, which, I, I, okay, I get that you're, like, trying to do a thing here, but it's still, like, it didn't land. And then Dan Aykroyd in blackface, which was awful. Like, wow, that was awful. Yeah. Uh, the whole, it, it, you're right, it was an entire train car full of everything I don't care to ever see again because it's just not just offensive. Sure, it was offensive, but not just, but almost as equally bad as being offensive. It was just dumb, uninteresting, not funny, and didn't fit. I mean, at the very least, at the very least, uh, good old what's-his-face saw through their stuff, you know? Like... You know, like, oh, yeah. No, they he, didn't get away with this because this was the dumbest fucking caper yeah. to ever take place ever. So, like, at least we have that to cling to, that there was one shred of, okay, yeah, this didn't work because it was so dumb. <sighs> well, and, but, and, and yeah. the, the one thing that would have made that better was if uh, Beaks was like, okay, you're all terrible. You're all racist pieces of shit. And now you're all going to die because of that, not just for trying to steal my briefcase. And, and then, then he becomes the ro- hero. Fucking roll credits. Like, yeah. <laughs> but no, we didn't do that. We went and and created a bestiality scene on top of all of this nonsense. So, great yeah, like, job. I, I love, I mean, I, when I say I love, I mean it in a sarcastic, I hate way. Um, but with, with the gorilla, because obviously at this point in time, we're, we're dealing with practical effects and we're dealing with a, a person in a not especially convincing gorilla suit being the real gorilla. (laughs) And then we have a person in a less convincing gorilla suit being the person in a gorilla suit, but because he is his mouth duct tape shut or whatever, 
everyone thinks he's a gorilla for real. And I, at first you want to say this is the dumbest thing ever, but if they actually believed that other gorilla was a real gorilla when it's obviously, obviously a guy, you know, in a suit, it's that whole suspension of disbelief. Like if they think that is what a real gorilla looks like, then I guess this other guy in a suit who's not a gorilla would look like, you know, so anyway, it's a whole cyclical bit of nonsense that not only doesn't add to the movie, it actively takes away from the movie because it's so incredibly dumb. But someone, so there were so many people tied to this movie who all were like, this is it. This is the linchpin. We're going to, we're going to hang our hats on this being the funniest memory anyone's ever going to have is going to be of, you know, forced gorilla love and like this this is going to be the funniest thing anyone's ever experienced and man you know he's got it coming because he's kind of a jerk and it's like oh god yeah the whole thing is just very annoying yeah poor poorly executed you know what wasn't poorly executed i i actually kind of enjoyed despite the fact that it was you know a little contrived and and not in any way shape or form realistic uh was that final um uh like trading floor scene and you know the 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 buy and the sell and the the crop report and everything like that like it felt good only because the dukes got what was coming to them uh and that was enough for me i think uh but it, it was definitely better than the uh the train scene so it had that going forward as well. <laughs> I, I think it's funny to imagine now. I know there are literal physical trading floors where people are active. Like I know that exists still, but the vast majority of things happening digitally now that you know used to happen with scraps of paper and people shouting and taking notes and handing quote unquote contracts. You know it it was a a fun reminder of that particular type of chaos and what really could swing back and forth in that regard in fact it's funny because like just as a little tidbit of information i don't know if you know this but like when the movie was made like uh inside trading for commodities was perfectly legal like they make this seem like you know all the cat and mouse government reports buying selling all you know deep throat you know, in a garage, you know, with the whole information, but it wasn't illegal at that time. Um, so if, really? you had, if you had the information, you could utilize it because, uh, just because. In fact, like, it, it wasn't until 2010 that they passed a law, a uh, financial overhaul uh, law that would dictate precisely what was, wasn't allowable. And, and they call it, they actually have a provision within that about commodities trading called the Eddie Murphy rule because of this Shut movie. Shut the fuck up. And so I think that might be the most interesting thing to come out of this movie is is in its social commentary uh, and them giving the the brothers their comeuppance. They manage to make a point significant enough to be like, wait a second, they, they shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, that's not fair. And so I think, I mean, the whole... The whole way they build everything around the two of them taking center stage and, and and buying and selling, like, I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. It's a little contrived. But you know what? That's what happens in comedy movies. This isn't a, a stock trading movie. This is a comedy. And that's 
fine. Like it just didn't do enough for me to make up for the all all the rest of the stuff that happened on the train. So it just didn't end on a strong note for me because I was still recovering from all that all that stupidness. Like you said, it was boring. It was boring and offensive and just nothing. And in the midst of that, you could just tell people making this had to be so proud of what they just did to this movie. And it's like, ah, it's not good. Well, <laughs> so after the the arrest scene, uh, when when Dan Aykroyd's character is being booked, what happened after that was that the writers went and did all that PCP in that baggie so that they could write the third act, which is why we got what we got. I think that that's the explanation that we're looking for here. You know, an actual fun version of this nonsense. uh, I'm trying to remember, I think, was it Super Cop, the Jackie Chan movie we did? Or was it, uh, mm, why am I blanking? Did we do Super Cop? No, I don't know if it was Super Cop. No, we did Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was Rumble in the Bronx with the... (laughs) <laughs> and, and that third act where you have the departure of character where all of a sudden he's like taking on uh you know that mode of transportation with the inflatable thing underneath the hovercraft hovercraft i could not think of words today <laughs> but like the hovercraft chase and the running over the bad guy to strip him of his clothes and like <laughs> all that nonsense <laughs> but that was like it was more just like me like my eyes kind of getting wide open being like what what is happening but it didn't make me go like oh they just ruined it this sucks i hate this movie now it was just more like this is bizarre whereas with this their pcp fueled nightmare uh towards the end of this movie (laughs) more or less just broke it for me and now that i keep talking about it i might flip it might be a coin flip honestly like whether if someone in the future asks me if it's a good movie or not it's just Elements of it are fine. Elements of it are kind of funny and I enjoy, but elements of it just almost make me angry because they're just so dumb. Um, but yeah, but somehow at the very end, you're right. It is satisfying to watch uh, the the Koch brothers get their... Com- oh, wait. I mean, the Duke brothers. Oh, how uh, dare you make <laughs> that strange correlation that can't possibly be... No, <clears throat> nope. I can't even do that with a straight face. So yes, the Koch yeah. brothers get their comeuppance and lose everything. Except they uh, only have fluence, you know, in commodities, not in politics. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we've summed it up. I mean, how else? How what what else is there to say? Uh, like, there are people who are perfectly fine in this. People who are kind of bright lights, like we've said, uh, Denim uh, Denim Elliot is that his name? Denim Elliot, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to think of a funny way to script the pronunciation of his name so I could play the part of Anthony, but I... Den- I Denholm, Denholm Elliot. I think it's pronounced Denim Chelliot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> look at you, clever boy. Look at you, you big clever boy. Making well, fun of me, pronouncing Murphy, Mr. Murphy's name. I do remember that. That was fun. Um <laughs> But yeah, so so what what else do we have to talk about? I mean, we we've hit up the movie here, but like, what what other angles are we thinking about here in terms of well, Christmas? I I don't know. And you know, I said earlier, like this is a good movie, but now I'm kind of questioning that because we just shat all over it for twenty minutes, and yeah, like I I, I it's good by ninety three uh, by ninety three by eighty three standards. It's probably still good by ninety three standards, but. I just, 
I don't know. I I I I I don't know that I would ever go seeking it out again. Yeah. Like I would probably if I'm like staying in a hotel and I'm flipping through channels trying to find something to watch and it's on, I might watch it. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I would just keep going until I hit discovery and watch what was ever on on that. <laughs> yeah, until I'd it's ice road truckers, and then yeah. I'm just not interested at all. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't. Man, this is disappointing. Yeah, it's that's what happens, folks. I mean, this is what happens when you decide to make a podcast about nostalgia. And go and watch these movies that you thought were really good, but they turn out to be big racist caricatures. You know what uh, I would you know what I would want to do right now if I had my druthers? What would you want to do? I would want to compare this to a movie that I used to that I would have held in the same pl- mind palace as being similar genre, similar time frame, uh, similar elements, and that would be Brewster's Millions. Ooh, Brewster's Millions, I remember really, really liking. Like, I feel my gut instinct, maybe it's because I've rewatched this and, you know, we (laughs) didn't love everything about it. (laughs) So it's easy to say, I think Brewster's Millions would be better, but with, I think, because it's, of course, Richard Pryor. Is John Candy in that too? John Candy is in it as well. But, like, Uh, yeah, like. Did Richard Pryor co write it? Because if, if, if Richard Pryor was on the writing staff. Uh, no, it doesn't look like he was, although Herschel Weingrad was, and he co-wrote this. Uh, hmm. Interesting. I didn't know there was a connection. Uh, so did Timothy Harris, who also co-wrote the screenplay for this. So, Well, maybe maybe Brewster's Million sucks. <laughs> it, it, that's entirely possible. We might have to do a comparison uh, on a future memory distillery. Uh, but, yeah, this is what happens, kids, when you try to have a nostalgic moment you get uh sorely disappointed sometimes because it's not it doesn't age well like me it aged it it, 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 i wouldn't say that it aged like milk but it definitely didn't age like a fine wine you know i've i've looked at just because out of morbid curiosity i've noticed a lot of people list this movie as being one of the all-time greats in terms of comedy Train places? Yeah. And it's just surprising. So to go through, even off IMDb, when you go off peoples who build off lists, to look at lists that this movie is on and to see they're putting it, you know, they're saying essentially this is in the same category and the same level as The Jerk or saying that it's on the same, same level as, you know, like, Fletch or Monty Python or you know like there's so many Groundhog Day or the Goonies and it's like Mm -hmm. I'm looking at all these things and I'm like no this this is a blip this is just a thing that happened and it's as much a product of its time as not it tries to do a few things it's successful with a couple it fails with most and it's like I'm ready to move on um yeah you know like we, we we uh this is going to be our, I believe, our last memory distillery podcast of this year mm-hmm. of 2021. And then we're probably going to, at some time soon, get into what our favorites you know, of the year were or revisit some of our Nostradamus uh, predictions of what we thought would be 
Um, but I can tell you right now, I might have an all new top three favorite Christmas movie that I never had before. Oh, really? Is yeah. it Anna's uh, Anna it's, and the Apocalypse? It's not Anna and the Apocalypse. Although, okay. After having sat on that for a little while, I think that's kind of a still a fun movie that I think about in moderately warm ways, which I won't be thinking about when it comes to uh, trading places probably no i'm not going to talk much in terms of content of this movie uh because it is brand new and i don't want to talk about spoilers but the new spider-man movie might be my one of my top favorite christmas movies ever it's a christmas movie it's a christmas movie oh my Okay, well, just spoiler free because I have not seen it and likely won't see it until the new year. So, well, do, uh, do your best. I will certainly not spoil anything myself, but I know it's hard in today's day and age to avoid spoilers. But uh, no, it, I just uh, not only what did I think it was. I'm not going. It's hard to talk about it without getting into it. But I'll just say, <laughs> at the end of the day, all said and done, I thought it was wonderful, um, and. It because there are elements, you know, as much as we define any other movie as being a Christmas movie, this has those elements. <laughs> so, so that might not have been their primary intention, and yet they can't avoid it. It is a Christmas movie. Well, all right then. You heard it first, folks. Go watch, uh, go watch Spider Man No Way Home, and not uh, Trading Places because it's really not worth your time. Uh, that's our show, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to us each and every week. As we just tell them about the favorite from our past, we have new episodes almost every Monday, except no more Mondays this year. Uh, so come and check us out on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher and uh, Google Podcasts and all those other podcast apps where you can find us anywhere to po- find podcasters. So really, they, they lump us in there. Uh, by the way, as John mentioned, this will be our last memory distillery of 2021. Uh, we will see you in 2022. Probably the 10th will be our first episode of 2022. So uh, stay tuned for that. We hope everyone has a happy and healthy holiday season and new year. And uh, thanks so much for, for hanging out with us. John, take us home. Hey, Anthony. Hey, John. You know, one of the things I like a lot about a lot of these 80s movies uh the music yeah remember how in trading places wait a second this movie soundtrack wasn't great one other you know i can't remember one song from the soundtrack nothing what i can remember and i i just watched this two days ago so yeah what i can remember is destroying the evidence by semaphore which is a good song and we use it in our podcast so you probably didn't see me headed in that direction but indeed i was trying to implore our viewers to give that the old holiday cheer uh to go listen to more of their music you know however that pans out but really look at look at me Ah, who knew that would happen (laughs) and now we've reached that vital part of the program where you all tune out me telling you to email us the memory distillery at gmail.com that is the place to be to to come to converse to talk to share um, we're always in the process of evolving as you've seen with the, the single malt series and other episodes we've done here and there. 
And then we have the return to the core of our, our memory-laced uh, fever dreams tied to movies. <laughs> All these things are good, and, and we'll no doubt uh, be playing around with such things in the future. So if you have feedback, ideas, or concepts that you'd like to see us tackle, uh, feel free to share. It'd be fun to have a dialogue there or on our Facebook page. Just you know, look up the Memory Distillery. Um, lots of ways to get in touch with us, and we're always looking for that kind of feedback and, and input as we build things out so uh as anthony said thanks again for joining us uh you know for the whole year of course and and for now during this holiday season we hope you we brought you just a tiny nugget of joy that'd be cool um we uh will look forward to see what the new year brings and i'm sure nothing will ever go wrong with any of us in our lives or in the world so that's good to look forward to um so thanks again for listening I'm John Deck. And I'm Anthony Ranieri, and this has been the Memory Distillery. Transition! Transition! <laughs> <laughs>